Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. Our hosts are experts in obesity medicine and have collectively treated thousands of patients for obesity and are here to help you on your own journey. All four of us are busy parents, so we totally understand what it's like to try and live healthy while also trying to stay on top of the busy demands in our life. Thanks for taking time in your busy day to join us. As some of our hosts have medical licenses, we have a legal disclaimer to share with you. Here it is. Please note that our podcast is not intended to, and shouldn't be considered, a substitute for professional medical advice from a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. You should always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. You should not rely on this podcast for medical diagnosis or treatment, and you should never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of our content. Quincy here. Let's start a new podcast. I'm here with Ron and Cheryl. And today we're going to take a little bit of a different approach. We're going to talk um, about an article or an op-ed that came out in MedPage today, um, written by David Perlmutter and Casey Means. I think I said those names correctly. But the title of the topic is Op-ed, The Bitter Truth of USDA's Sugar Guidelines. And it's a letter that's directed toward President Joe Biden. But there's just some interesting concepts and ideas on this po- on this op-ed that we wanted to kind of discuss with the group and share that with you. We'll link the um, we'll link the link um, on our on our page notes as well just to kind of get that information over to you. Cheryl, do you want to go first? Yes. Okay, so this is an 835 page document and it was written by some academic doctors and PhDs, RDs, and it was written on the basis of the USDA's dietary guidelines um, and their adversary committee. And the team specifically states, and I quote, the scientific evidence the committee suggests that less than 6% of energy from added sugars is more consistent with the dietary pattern that is nutritionally adequate. So in layman's terms... We want to decrease the recommended dose from 10% of our dietary diet down to 6%. Okay. Okay. So that doesn't seem like very much. 4% change in sugar? Like, what? Is that a big deal? I I think it's a significant deal. Um, Go ahead, Dr. Ruby. That's a huge amount because... Um, the amount that we're consuming on a regular basis has dramatically climbed over the years. So if we're now backing off, that's going to be a huge aspect. And it's going to affect a lot of different people, but it's going to definitely help our health. It finally gives us like a fighting chance when it comes to health and overall well-being. It'll, it'll give us and our children a fighting chance. So, okay. What does that mean? Like, okay, I'm going from a 10% recommendation to a 6% in my regular lifestyle. Like, Not quite half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's a better way to put it. Almost half. You're yeah. almost cutting your sugar intake in half. So it goes from 20 grams of sugar per person per day, which adds up to roughly 2.4, well, let's see, that's 2 trillion, 400 billion extra grams of sugar per year consumed that, in the U.S. But that's oh. the average. Yeah, and that's... There's That's a key thing point. to figure out is the average. So a lot of us might be getting a lot more and those could be a lot worse off, but there are some of us who are getting less, but the average is getting that much. And the average American has a lot of health issues. So if that average American could decrease a little bit, it's going to be a huge factor. It's going to help lower your insulin dramatically. Which will decrease our rates of heart disease and obesity and diabetes and, and most liver cr- failure. And most chronic health issues. Correct. Oh, interesting. 
how about um does this inf- impact like food labels and things like that do you think sorry i'm going to take a little pivot there i know they have like the recommendation guidelines that are listed on there but I mean, is that going to change things? Or how as a human being, like, as a regular person in the United States, how does this, like, change who I am? Is it just because the doctors are going to start telling me differently? or Well, it's going to start in the schools, because right now we're telling our kids to eat 20% sugar. Oh, okay. Or sorry, not 20%, 10% sugar. Okay. But we're saying that's acceptable. 20 grams of sugar per day is kind of, wasn't that 10%? Yes. What you said earlier. Okay. Yeah, Don't make makes... me math on the spot, Quincy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the deer in the headlights look from Cheryl. Math? What? <laughs> but yeah, it's going to dramatically help the schools start trying to back off on the amount of it. And to fit that regulations, we're going to have to change how we're rewarding kids in school and in other, other aspects. And again, it's going to affect how foods are being sold and how people perceive those types of foods now the food label it is going to adjust a little bit but i'm trying to remember and kelsey would be a better one to give us more information about this but on they give us a percentage of what they what is recommended but if i remember right they weren't giving us a percentage on the sugar and the reason was because there was arguments that well we'd have to if we were telling you percentage the food companies would have to be basically giving away their secrets of the secret ingredients that they're putting in certain mm. foods. So if we're now having a set amount and we're saying that regu- recommendation and there's guidelines, they're going to have to start. Some of those foods are going to seem outrageously, ridiculously high, which they already are, but it's going to per- be perceived as a lot worse than it is. And okay. let's be honest, the human body does not need even one gram of sugar. Yeah. I noticed that in the article, they, they say that as well. Yeah. And I think we've told our parent, patients over and over, but yes, our body doesn't need it. Now, it needs glucose, which is a sugar in our bloodstream, but it's so important we have it, we can bake it, make it. We're going to bake it? We're going to bake it. It's like those no. little mini bake ovens that we had as kids. <laughs> Except it's a macro bake oven. <laughs> <laughs> oven. We're, we're going to be able to make it through our liver it's called gluconeogenesis. Okay. So it's going to impact our schools significantly about yes. how much sugar they're going to allow the children to eat. I mean, you talk about sugar being hidden within products and stuff like that. Um, I think it's a good moment to be even bring up to our listeners, even to talk again about kind of how does sugar even hide in our foods? Like you're saying you can't even, maybe, I mean, we need Kelsey to validate, but um, the labels don't even show what's the, like what percentage of our dietary recommendations are in this food of sugars. Um I mean, what are what are ways that sugar can even hide in our food? It's everywhere. You look at it, all your condiments, even things like ketchup and mayonnaise dressings. It's ever it, it's added in everything. So you look for added sugars. What are other names to look for? And that's the other thing is there's like I don't know. There's a ridiculous amount of different names for each type of sugar. Okay. So anything with the O U the O S E like fructose, lactose, oh. they'll all have sugars in them. Okay. Okay. But there's also like fifty other different names that they can be called. High fructose corn syrup. Mm-hmm. There's, man, I'm putting you guys on the spot. I want to say over 70 now. There was 56 at one time, but there's now more. And again, part of it is so giving different chemical names to f- the different sugars. So they're they're hiding it by like a lot of people. They're hiding be- in plain sight. Exactly, because mm-hmm. they're giving all these chemical structured names when it's basically just sugar. So one guidance that I really like to follow with my own life is to eat as whole to the product as you possibly can. So if there's fewer than five ingredients and I can say and 
pronunciate every single one of those ingredients, <laughs> then I'm I'm usually pretty comfortable with it. Have you guys ever heard of Animaniacs? They have a song <laughs> yeah. that has it's all about the ingredients in a in like food. Like they go through a candy bar, <laughs> they go through ice cream, and it's it's I'll have to reference that one as well. It's That's quite awesome. hilarious as well. Um, I found a website, just a quick Google search, that talked about the most com- 56 most common names for sugar. Um, let's see. Let's go through glucose fructose. Um, so sugar, sucrose, high fructose corn syrup, um, agave nectar, and then beet sugar, black blackstrap molasses, brown sugar, buttered syrup, cane juice, sir- crystals, cane sugar, caramel, carob syrup, castor sugar, and the list goes on and And those on. are the ones you can name. Those are ones that have sugar or you recognize the component of it. Well, how about even like processed uh, refined flours, right? Those aren't quote unquote sugars. But they'll still break down as sugar in your body and be the the process will be the same. So I'm I'm I've been trained to look at a food label ingredients and go, okay, the first ingredient is the most common ingredient Mm -hmm. in this food. Mm -hmm. But what I'm hearing is that in theory, let's say number one is something that I can understand and read you know, a strawberry or, or flour, like flour, which is, we're just saying is glu- can turn into glucose pretty easily, but there could be six or seven or eight other ingredients, quote unquote, further down the list. But when you add the, the total amount together, it could actually be higher up on the list, maybe even number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how the, a lot of times how they're doing it is they're changing it to, into multiple different aspects, but that total volume pu- pushes it higher on that list of proportions in that type of food. So that's where the idea of eating foods that don't have a label is a good idea. Fruits, vegetables, meat. Because you know what ingredient is in there. Oh, interesting. And I think the the concept of actually reading labels, it needs to be part of our everyday habits. It's just what we do as we read the labels. And I know a lot of patients and people will say, that takes a lot of time. I don't have time when I go to the grocery store. And again, over time, I always recommend is if you're looking for one particular thing, look at two or three, pick the lowest one. Maybe if you're going, that one didn't taste very good. Okay, next time I go back, I've, I know what this one is. Let's find another one. So again, it's not like you have to spend four hours in a grocery store to get your 20 different items. Part of it is we're becoming a habit, but you also learn over time what processed foods are a lot better or has less sugar. So you don't have to spend that time over and over and over. Every time you go in, you know, oh, my spaghetti sauce, I grab this. If I'm grabbing this dressing, I know which one I like because it has a lower sugar, but it's also the taste that I can I like. So, so there's two a- easy steps. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. Go ahead. Two easy steps. Look at the total carbohydrates. Start okay. Just start there. To- look at the total carbohydrates and then look at the ingredients. If you can say them and pronounce them, and even better spell them, then they're safe. Mm-hmm. I'm in trouble if I have to spell them. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful. Okay. Anything else do we want to talk about in this article that we, we kind of looked at? I, I took us a little bit of on a tangent on what, what a sugar look like inside our food. So really going down, all these things should be going down as well in our dietary consumption. We have to make changes as a society when it comes to our nutrition, or we're going to have a generation that won't have a chance. When it comes to obesity, diabetes, heart disease, it'll just be so prevalent. And our medical system is, and this is a whole other tangent, we're just not ready. The, the, the structure, the framework is not prepared to take that on for a whole generation of obese metabolic disorders. Those numbers are just going up. And again, like Cheryl says, we don't have the structure, but everybody goes, oh, we want healthcare to be paid for, but who's going to pay for it? 
but all these underlying health issues and we're spending so much earlier in people's lives to help take care of some of these health issues. And I'm just going back to the, the sugar aspect. I don't remember all the different numbers, but I like history. And one good book out there looking at the history of sugar and how it's evolved over time is the case, or the case Against Sugar by Gary Tobbs. It talks, he goes back and look at the history of we had like very low percentage back in Aletha, Elizabethan age and how over time it's gradually evolved as the colonies moved into um, – the Caribbean, and then how we were able to grow different beets and start growing it in a colder climate and still getting sugar out of it. So if you like history, Case Against Sugar by Gary Tobbs is a great book looking at how over time just the amount of sugar has just evolved and it's kind of put into our diet because we all like it. But again, part of it is the government saying, oh, we've got to start or supporting some of these farmers who are actually paying them to grow things. And now they're producing far more above what we actually need. So we have to turn around and use it somehow. Now that we've already paid for it. So it's just different aspects of the sugar aspect too. So to me, takeaway on this podcast is just, I mean, one personally try to reduce the amount of sugars, but that, that this kind of this huge study has really shown that there is a huge case against sugar. There we go. <sighs> okay. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the Why Way Elevate podcast. We want to hear what you think about this episode and encourage you to continue the discussion in our Facebook group. The name of the group is Community of People Elevating Their Mind and Body to Lose Weight. Or you can search for our Facebook page, Why Way Elevate, and our group is linked on that page. Also, if you found this episode to be helpful, can you share it with your friends that you think would appreciate listening to it? And if you found our podcast to be helpful, we would love it if you could leave us a review. It really helps others hear about this podcast, and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you.